Welcome to episode 122 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. He's Lapore. I'm Bruno. Thank you so much for listening and watching us on YouTube as well. The Toronto Maple Leafs just played their worst game of the season, losing to the LA Kings on home ice on Halloween night. It was just a terrible game. That was a brutal game to watch. So we are going to give you our thoughts on that and just the general state of the Leafs right now because we should be a little bit concerned. They're 5-3-1, but there have been some issues defensively, offensively. It seems like the only thing that isn't a problem right now is Joseph Wall, and you can poke holes in a lot of different areas when it comes to this team. So we're going to get into that. And then, of course, we also have to get into the shit show in Ottawa. It is a disaster there. Pierre Dorian resigned as GM of the Ottawa Senators in the middle of the situation with Evgeny Dadanov and the trade that went down a couple of years ago and how the Senators didn't disclose the no-trade list. They're also dealing with the Shane Pinto gambling suspension, the injuries. Michael Andlauer has his hands full in Ottawa. And then we are also going to get into Leafs versus Bruins on Thursday night in Boston. So we have a lot to get into in this episode. But before we do all that, it is time to officially welcome in my partner in crime, Mr. Michael Lapore. How you doing, man? Anthony Bruno doing very well. It is cold in your nation's capital. We're below zero, man. It's uh, it's like God knew it was November 1st. So bang, October's done. We have to make it cold. I was outside today. I had my winter coat, had my scarf. I'm a good Canadian boy, Bruno, but I am a weenie when it comes to the cold. I hate being cold. So your boy Lapore was uh, pretty grumpy all day, but gets to evening, get to hang out with you. Talk some Leafs. It's all positive now. All positive. We can put all that cold weather behind us until tomorrow morning, at least. You know what I can't stand? The person who thinks they're so tough and they go out in like minus 10 degree weather with like a t-shirt <laughs> short sometimes. I've seen it. You're not tough. You're an idiot. Mm. Tell so that's say, how right? I feel about that. I I'm right there with you. I can't stand the cold. Once I have to take out my winter jacket and my boots, it's it's just game over. Have you ever had, you're an athlete, you ever done an ice bath? I've never done an ice bath. No, like I've even, like I'm a total geek for, you know, like fitness and nutrition and that stuff and all these experts saying, oh, cold showers, the ice bath, all that, how healthy it is for you and your recovery. I can't do it. I can't even do the cold shower, let alone. Yeah, like, I'm not a professional athlete. No Listen, if you want to stay in shape and be healthy, just eat well and exercise consistently. Don't worry about doing an ice bath every day like the people that you see on social media. Yeah, okay, fair point. <laughs> All right, let's get right into the hockey talk here. Yeah. We have to discuss the state of the Leafs right now because I'm concerned, Lapore. Me too. And it's not just because the Leafs looked like absolute shit on Halloween mm -hmm. night against the LA Kings. I thought that was the worst game of the season for Toronto so far. It's not just because... They look disjointed and out of it, and they didn't bring any energy. It's just things are not operating optimally right now, for lack of a better term. <laughs> Defensively, there are issues. Offensively, like Mitch Marner is just not playing like the Mitch Marner we're used to. Austin Matthews, 
He got off to a ridiculous start with six goals in his first two games. And and even, you know, a few games after that, like there were nights that he was dominating night in and night out, but he has slowed down a little bit. The only guy who I think has been consistently great almost every single night is William Who is Nylander. it, Bruno? Yeah. <laughs> Nylander, man. Uh, the fourth line is getting caved in. Quick stat to bring your, your way. And oh, I know no. David Camp got moved up to the third line recently, but Noah Gregor, David Camp, and Ryan Reeves all have a minus 20 or worse scoring chance differential at five on five. Shit. So it's been a complete nightmare for the fourth line. The depth scoring is is just not there. I mean, unless Matthew Nyes decides to to have a night or Max Domi chips in occasionally, like the secondary scoring is just non-existent for this team. It just seems like either the big four dominate and the Leafs win or the big four have a quiet night and the Leafs lose. So what are your thoughts on, on the state of the Leafs right now, Lapore? Yeah, I'll say it, man. You, you mentioned the Leafs maybe having their worst game of the season last night against the Kings. Honestly, man, that may have been their worst game in years. I cannot remember a game where I was watching the Buds and I was bored. They were not creating anything. And the morning after every game, um, I'll put on the NHL YouTube channel and watch the extended highlights of the games. And it's it, it's it's extended. Like I said, it's like nine, 10 minutes. And the Leafs didn't get that many chances, man. It was it was not cool. I think in the first period, they showed like one highlight of Nylander dangling and getting it on goal, but it was really bad. Matthews, two shots on goal. That is not good enough. We'd have to look up how many uh, attempts he had on net and he just wasn't hitting the net, but still, man, that is not good enough. They look flat last night, but I, I will say, I will say before we completely trash them, uh, full credit to LA. Uh, that's a good team. They're balanced. They know how to play along the boards in their own end. They never panic. They got saves from Talbot because, of course. Um, but that that's a team to uh, a, a team to uh, watch out for in the West. I think going deeper with the Leafs. I, I have a few theories here. I think first things first, we got to figure out the lines. Like if someone asked me right now, what are the Leafs lines? I'd be like, well, it's this sometimes, and this is moved around. We need something formal. And I know we're in a situation where Nylander and Tavares are going full haywire. So you're not going to break them up. But the rest of the lineup, it's like, well, who's going to be their third guy consistently? And is Bertuzzi, Marner, Matthews a thing? I mean, it's worked in the past. And the third and fourth line, I don't know, man. It's not good. You touched on it. No depth scoring. Not a good thing. And from a big picture standpoint, Mitch Marner, man. It was last week on this show, I stood up for Mitch saying, I love the player and I expect a lot from him because of that. He's got to do more. Mitch Marner is a player who drives play. His five-on-five numbers are outstanding typically. Matthews and Marner are getting outscored five-on-five, let alone dominating five-on-five. So that confuses me. And ironic that I just brought up how they're getting outscored five-on-five, but I got this like kind of funny theory and, and people comment down below and Bruno, I'm intrigued to know what you think about this. So it seems like Marner's holding back. Like there's something in him. That's not like raging him forward. Like he normally does. I'll ask you, Bruno, which, which superstar player retired last year? Which superstar player retired last year in the NHL? Like one of the best players of our generation, Stanley cop, gold oh, okay. medal. 
Patrice Bergeron. Patrice Bergeron. When I, someone's... Almost, I almost forgot for a second. Are you trying to stump me here? What's well, going on? Well, the Bruins record would make you think he retired. But anyways, what is like the first thing we think about when someone says Patrice Bergeron? Great two-way player. The Salkie. So I'm watching Marner's play. I'm watching Marner's play. And I'm wondering if he's... And not in a good way. He's holding back a little bit. Because... And I'm not saying, oh, he's playing for the Selkie. Sometimes that stuff plays in guys' minds. Or like, hey, like I got a chance to win this thing now. Or I'm really focused on this part of my game. And that would be a benefit. But I almost feel like he's hesitant to do certain things that I'm used to watch him doing. And I wonder if that is a potential reason. And again, I'm not sitting here saying Mitch Marner sat with his agent um before the season said you know what i'm gonna totally change my game and i don't care if i give up points because i'm gonna go get the selkie but i wonder if it's even beyond the selkie like an identity thing that marner's trying to do he, he everyone went nuts it, underrated man to be a winger nominated for the uh, nominated for uh, the award in the first place so like that's playing in his mind i want i want that to be my reputation as this amazing two-way player i don't know again i might be completely wrong but it's something that's popped into my head Okay, because when you say that, I think back to last season when we were making excuses for Austin Matthews and saying he's playing injured. Mm. Maybe he's focusing more on the defensive side of the game. So I do see where you're coming from, but I have to disagree. Okay, like I just think he's not playing well, and I don't know what it is. (laughs) Um, it's hard to it's hard to pinpoint because we've watched this guy dominate game in and game out for the last seven seasons. Okay. Maybe he wasn't totally dominant his first like couple years in the league, but over the last, let's say four years, like he's been an elite, elite player in this league mm-hmm. and he's just not producing right now. We were talking before the, the show started. You pointed this out. He has four shots on goal in his last four games. The fuck is that? Seriously. And you also mentioned Matthews and Marner have both been outscored at five on five. You know who else has been outscored at five on five, which is actually kind of insane. William exactly. Nylander, oh, as God. much as we've gushed about him, but yeah. I did check the save percentage for the Leafs when he's on the ice is like eight eighty eight. Okay, I'll get the exact number here. He Nylander would look this on up. the ice five <laughs> on five. Sorry, the Leafs save percentage is eight eighty four. Okay, so we'll give him a pass for that. Whereas Matthews and and Marner, they've had a little bit better luck in the save percentage category. Matthews, 915, Marner, 912. So, I mean, but still, for your for all of your best players to be outscored at five-on-five five is a little troubling. Yeah. They don't look good, man. They don't look good, man. They don't look like a – like, L.A. looked like a good team last night. Yeah. We LA have good, just, we have good no, players. We like didn't they, look like a good team. They looked like they were playing – as it, I mean, this sounds just like so basic and cliche, but they were playing as a team. They were well connected. They looked big. I mean, they were just, they were playing well defensively. They weren't giving the Leafs anything in the offensive zone. Cam Talbot played well. It was just like, and you mentioned it, it was such a boring game. Like, I didn't even want to watch that game. Horrible. Man. When the second period ended, I almost said, fuck this. Like, I'm not even watching the third period. This is disgusting. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 definitely troubling, man. And even looking at at five on five production, so Marner has three points at five on five, Matthews four points at five on five, 
Tyler Bertuzzi, one point at five on five. I mean, I know it's only been like nine games, but this team is producing on the power play. Like the power play has been fine. Right now, the Leafs rank fifth in the league. Their power play operating at a shade over 31%. Like if if you operated over 30% over the course of the season, you're probably going to finish as the number one power play in the NHL. Yeah. And that's great, but there's there's other problems here, man. Like when when the big four are not producing, when Marner's not playing well, when Matthews is slumping a little bit, it's hard to just rely on like Nylander to do everything or even Tavares for that matter. They need secondary scoring and the fourth line is non-existent. Like has Ryan Reeves like ever had the puck on his stick this year? Yeah, it's bad. I hate to be that guy. And when the whole Reeves thing happened, it was my old take of if you're crazy excited about this, you're overthinking it. And if you hate its guts, you're overthinking it. Okay. They got Ryan Reeves, whatever. But it just seems like too many times you're watching a game, they get scored on. It's like, fuck, Reeves is on the ice. I don't know how many goals total he's been on the ice for, but it just seems very often. And last night was a fluky one. Gregor broke a stick. And oh my God, again, full credit, full credit to the Kings. They played an amazing road game and the Leafs were trash. But the Kings, three goals. The first one, that weak backhand that goes off of Giordano stick, picks a corner over a wall. Total joke. The... Second one was the Gregor broken stick. And it's funny because I'm always the one to say, go to the bench. Don't just stand there and do nothing without a stick. Go to the bench, get get a stick, and it's a five on four for like five seconds. And he did that. And then Reeves didn't know who to take care of, and they scored. Then the third goal. Did you see the penalty they called on Bertuzzi? Yeah, they that, call- was, that was a terrible call. They called him on a tripping. The stick was at his pants and the guy toe picked and fell. And again, those happen. I'm not blaming an official. It happens. But of course, they're going to score on the power play. So even beyond playing well, there was some bad luck. But again, full credit to the Kings. And it's games like this. I'm glad the Leafs lost because I, I don't feel right when they get away with bad play. Like that first game against Montreal. We shouldn't need these crazy comebacks against weak teams. I, I don't need to feel that way. And even la- and even last night, had something worked out weird, it was a low-scoring game, they got a win? No. No, Matthew's got two shots on goal. Feel the L, guys. Feel the L. It's not a bird. It's not a plane. It's the most revolutionary ball trimmer the world has ever seen. Oh, my God. Gentlemen, our friends over at Manscaped have been working night and day to bring you a below-the-waist grooming experience like none other with their brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. We're talking about a next-generation trimmer with interchangeable blade heads for whatever shave your mind can imagine. Upgrade your grooming game to the Ultra Sphere this year by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping using our exclusive code GFP20. Lapore, Manscaped just doesn't miss. You know what, Bruno? Individuals who have bought Manscaped products in the past, I feel like we don't have to pitch them because you know what? They've experienced the glory. They know how it changes their life. It's the losers out there listening who don't have any Manscaped products. And this is the one above all of them that will make the biggest difference. The Lawnmower 5.0 is an absolute beast. Order it now, manscaped.com, GFP20 for 20% off. And I promise you, the Lapore promise, you will not be disappointed. Look good, feel good, and play good. And the way you're gonna do that is by using the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. 
the stamp of approval from the GFP podcast. We've been using these products for years now. We love having them a part of this show. And as Lapore said, you will not be disappointed. Go to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping using our exclusive code GFP20. That is GFP20 for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Ryan Reeves, by the way, when he's been on the ice at five on five, the Leafs oh, no. have been outscored six nothing. Okay. And and I'm not putting putting this all on Ryan Reeves. And you know, I, I've heard some. I've heard some people in the media today and even on social media. When I say media, I mean like professional media. Uh, and so not social us. Media. There are professionals on social media as well, but you know what I mean. Are we but professional? Been, no way. No, we're professional. We're 100% oh, okay. legit. Stamp of approval. Absolute stamp of approval. But just seeing the narrative today, it's it's been a lot of like Bradshaw living swung and missed in the offseason. The guys that he picked up they stink so far. Domi can't hasn't done anything. Bertuzzi hasn't been able to fit with Matthews and Marner. And even on the second line, he doesn't look like a great fit. Ryan Reeves is getting caved in. John Klingberg, not great defensively. I mean, we kind of knew what we were getting with all these guys. Even Bertuzzi, like I, I will say, even though the production hasn't been there, when you do look at the underlying numbers, you know that he actually leads the Leafs in expected goals for percentage. Okay, five I did not five. know that. I did not know that. And the reason I say that is because I, I feel like he's been getting opportunities. Like, he's had his chances. He's had his opportunities. He I, I feel like he has been creating maybe a little bit more than people give him credit for. I just think the puck's not going in the net. But it's just like... You, the thing with this team is like, listen, people harp about defense, defense. They can't keep the puck out of their net, but the thing that keeps concerning me going back to the playoffs over the last few seasons is, is the scoring, honestly, like when, when this team isn't scoring, that's when I get concerned because like, this is supposed to be their bread and butter. And we've seen them now fail in the playoffs, not being able to score in high leverage situations. Now at the start of this season, we've seen that when the big four are not producing, this team has no secondary scoring. So what would you say Lapore is like, you're, biggest concern right now with this team if you had to pick one thing where you're like oh my god this is this is not good what would it's you tough that is it's tough bruno because let's face it we are a little spoiled so here's this podcast starting and like i mentioned about marner before it's about expectation so not only do we want to put up a good record we want to look good right we're about the pizzazz you want to look good as well so this team has been a strong team for a couple of years now and this podcast, all our podcasts kind of have a positive or a negative theme, depending on what's going on. And we've been negative so far. As it stands right now, as disappointed as we are with everything, the Leafs at this pace will get 100 points. Right. You're right. They're on a so, 100 point pace. They're on a 100 point pace. So, as terrible as it's been, while I think it's at least going to be this for the rest of the year, if it gets worse, well, they don't deserve shit. So, they are who they are. And I'm expecting more from Matthews, more from Marner. I mean, Willie's gonna Willie's gotta cool down, doesn't he? And again, weird. Are we rooting for that? I don't know, contract-wise. But if I have a concern, if I have an absolute concern, and you mentioned before how you didn't want to be cliche, it's the depth. Because when it comes to crunch time, and you and you touch on it as well about how this team hasn't been able to score in the playoffs, 
you need random guys to get big goals. You need that random guy to have a two goal game or a big overtime winner. When I look at this lineup, I don't know where that's going to come from. And I'm always the first one to say your team in, in October does not matter. What matters is your team the day after deadline day. So who knows what this team can add. And before everyone says, oh, they have no cap space, blah, 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 blah. There's retention, all that stuff. Who knows what can happen? And I'm not saying there's going to be a magic fix for this. I'm just saying it's pretty obvious to me the glaring weakness in this team. And it's the depth. Like you said, the, the third line is meh. And the fourth line is has been terrible, if we're being perfectly honest. So to me, it's that. To me, it's that glaring that I want a nice third line. I want a good third line. That's what I want. It's f- funny. For years, for years, the Leaf Sounds were made fun of because the line was, you know what we need? A number one center. It's like, well, yeah, every yeah, team Tyler needs a number Bozak one Tyler Bozak masquerading as the yeah. Leafs' number one center for how yeah. many years? Yeah. So you know who the Leafs need? Sidney Crosby. Oh, hot take. Or we, we need that number one demon. Like, well, the Leafs need Pronger. It's like, yeah, guys, every team needs that. You, you know what? You should be a GM. But here we are now. And we're saying, man, we have like a Hart Trophy winner, two-time Maurice Rucker Richard winner. We have a two-time uh, first-team All-Star in Mitch Marner, Nylander Tavares. Man, I-, I wish we had a third line. So back to how spoiled we are. But my expectation is to go with the cup. So I'm going to say it. I want a third line and a good one and a big one and one that scores. So that's it. Brad, if you're listening, that's what we're asking and praying for at the moment. So do your thing. You did put things in perspective nicely, saying that the Leafs are on pace for a 100-point season. And maybe it seems like it's a disappointment right now because they're coming off a 110-point season. Year before that, 115 points. So 100 points, while that will get them into the playoffs, it's just not – it doesn't feel the same. No. And when you mention the depth, like I think they have nice depth on the wing and even in the top six. It's the center depth specifically. Like David Camp, I'm sorry, he's not a third-line center. He stinks. And I know a lot of people complain about that contract that he signed. Yeah, sure. Like defensively, okay, he's fine. But he is a zero offensively. A zero. Like I don't think I've seen him create a single scoring chance in the last three years. Yeah, I know I'm exaggerating a little bit, but he is doing nothing offensively. And then the fourth line is a disaster right now. As it currently stands, Pontus Holmberg centering Ryan Reeves and Noah Gregor. Just yeah, not bro. getting it done. I think I've seen enough of Noah Gregor. I mean, he's fast in a straight line, but that's about it. I'm not <laughs> I'm not happy with that. He did he did score a nice goal early in the season, like a nice wrist shot. That's the well, one well, against Montreal there. Yeah, man. that's the one memory I have right now, yeah. just racking my brain of like Noah Gregor high. The funny, you know what that is, Bruno. It's moments like that, that get you excited. Who's this yeah. guy? No, Greg. Oh my God, he scored first game. We got to get, yeah, no. Reality comes crashing down. Yeah, reality hits you real quick. And, you know, some people might be saying, why aren't you guys mentioning the defense core? And, and here's why I'm not. Because first of all, Jake McCabe is out. And I know Jake McCabe is not like a Norris Trophy winner, but he's an important piece of this decor. He's a top four defenseman on the team. He's good and- five on five. And we've been bad five on five. Exactly. And I also think that Brad Treliving... Like, I think that's the one area that he's going to address because I, I don't know. I just think it's going to be easier to address, honestly, than it is finding like a great 
offensive player to just thrust into the top six or the top nine. Like, I think that's going to be mm-hmm. a lot more difficult. Whereas mm-hmm. I think Brad is looking at this team and being like, all right, I can upgrade this blue line. I think there's probably a move to be made out there. I don't know exactly what that move is, but I think come trade deadline, this blue line will be upgraded. And then yeah. Connor Timmons, like when he comes back, he's going to start playing. So like, I'm not that cons- like the, the blue line's not great. It's not like this is like, oh my God, it's a Stanley Cup blue line, but I don't think it's terrible either. I think the glaring issue is the center depth and the lack of secondary score. Yeah, I think not having Timmons is a big deal because it's a guy who can move the puck. And a big complaint people had with the Leafs um, last year against Florida was that, oh, Matthews and Marner aren't getting done the forwards. And I had a lot of hockey people tell me, it's like, well, they're not getting them the puck. They're not getting the puck off ice. So this team needs that. So I think people have kind of forgotten about the Timmons situation right now. But you mentioned true living, man. And I mentioned deadline deals, this and that. Don't want to get carried away, but let's let's pick the pockets of the flames, Brad. Noah Hannafin, Anderson, I'm down, man. You make that call to who you know, and you call in a favor, because I'd love to see that. Yeah, that would be great. Even if the Leafs can get one of those guys, I know they'd awesome. have to make, make the money work, and there might have to be some more gymnastics at play, yeah. but... Yeah, why not leverage that relationship with the Flames? Let's go. Yeah. Before we move on, Bruno, I got to, again, Lepore and his funny stories. So last week I talked, and I, I should say I vented about how I wasn't able to watch the game um, on the Sportsnet Now app on my television. I had to watch it on my phone. Okay. So do you want to hear about the NHL corporate gods sticking it to Lepore? You ready for this one? What happened? It's a little bit before the game, okay? As I've said before in the show, I have a little girl now, eight months old, right? So she gets fussy. The first solution is a bottle, right? I'm making her bottle, and I spill the bottle all over my remote control and fry it. Come on. And it was the TV remote control, so I wasn't able to get to like the Rogers box so then I could put the game on. So I was forced to watch the game on my phone. Oh, so, like, come on. Gary Bettman somewhere pulled some voodoo trick on me. I have no idea for bitching about the NHL, not letting us show games. But I went from being aggravated as hell that I couldn't watch the game on TV, having to watch it on my little phone to being in a position where I had to watch it on my phone. Before that's right that freaky works. man yeah. like you know what, it's though? almost as if gary bettman was watching or listening to this podcast last week and just said i am gonna stick it to michael lapore yeah i watched so i watched the first period on my phone i'm like wait a second i can watch it on my laptop so i put on my laptop that's not bad that's not bad but one thing i will say and again venting about the nhl and this is technology today so as it stands now we all watch the games on wi-fi like whether it's your rogers box or your phone or whatever the issue I have with that is, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe we just had less access before. I feel like the game, and based on what you can see online, on, on Twitter and on certain apps, I feel like we're way behind. Like, I got to stay away from my phone because like, if I check the score, oh, one nothing. What? Because the, the game's like a minute ahead, a full minute ahead. Whereas before, I don't know if it was that far ahead. I, I would guess, again, comment down below, someone smarter than me, if there's a greater delay now, because it's internet rather than a cable, like a, a wire cable that's plugged in. But I find that frustrating, especially during the playoffs. You have to stay off your phone because you're, you're you go lock on a Twitter goal or you, you open an app and a team's winning and you didn't even know. So 
something. that's actually happened to me before where I've received texts from friends when the oh, Leafs God. have scored. I go, here comes the goal. Yo. Here it comes. Thanks does a Fried- lot. Does Friedman? Okay. Friedman in the playoffs. Does he do it on purpose? I think, I think he, he does. does people, I think he does it on purpose. People have complained about it. And I think, I mean, he's well aware that he's probably like ruining the experience for some fans, depending yeah, on what brutal. device they're watching on. Yeah, it's it's not it's not great. It's not great, Elliot. Well, remember the remember the game. It was uh well, there was two I have in my mind, and then we'll move on. The late goal, Ryan O'Reilly uh versus Tampa. I remember, you know, watching the game, you're freaking out last minute of the game, and I just saw my phone light up <laughs> and I didn't look at it, but I'm like, oh my god, we scored. I knew I knew we scored, I'm like we scored, and we did. And it was surely an, an alert from it was Friedman or Johnson, I forget who it was, and the other one was. I almost said, do you remember? Of course you remember. Uh, game six against Montreal when Dermot put when Dermot uh turned the puck over. Montreal put the puck in Toronto's end, and I had my Apple watch on. And first mistake, so some of it's my fault. I had it set to vibrate for alerts. So the puck gets sent in, and I felt a vibrate. Oh, on my wrist. And I'm like Emmy wrist shot. I'm like, we fuck it, we fucking lost boom turnover so it's hot man and it sucks i think i'm talking for all like sports fans hockey fans when i say i mean here we have all this access now with our phones but we kind of have to stay away from them now because they ruin the live event for us my advice and i've done this if it's like tied in the third period or it's just a really close game in the third period or overtime just don't look at your phone just turn it upside down so nothing lights up you don't hear anything and then after the Leafs score or after the Leafs embarrass themselves, then you can go to your phone yeah, and check it out. Yeah. All right. We got to talk about the Ottawa Senators, Lepore. Your second every, favorite team. Boots on the ground in Ottawa, Ontario. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a disaster over there today. The NHL announced that the Ottawa Senators will have to forfeit a first-round pick in either 2024, 2025, or 2026 very harsh penalty because of their mishandling of the Evgeny Dadanov situation where they did not disclose to the Vegas Golden Knights a couple of years ago that he had a 10 team, no trade list. And then he got traded to Anaheim and it got voided. I mean, just a, just a, a stupid situation all around. Like, I don't understand how the NHL just like, didn't know about this or Vegas didn't know about this. It's kind of stupid that it's like, all right, it's all on the Ottawa Senators. Like, you must 100%. keep everyone up to date with everyone's no trade list. Like, shouldn't the NHL have a record of that? But anyway, Bruno, so, the agent, or the agent. Yeah, how the I how mean, the there agent you go. Someone just someone handle it to make sure that shit like that doesn't happen. So yeah. we have that situation, and that of course led to Pierre Dorian resigning yeah. as GM of the Ottawa Senators. Michael and Lauer said in his press conference that he had dinner with Pierre Dorian and came to the conclusion that the only penalty in this situation would be, or it had to result in the loss of Dorian's job. I just feel like he was using that essentially as like a last straw, like his opportunity to, to get rid of Dorian, give Steve Steos the GM role. I mean, I know Steve Steos is the president of hockey operations, but him and Ann Lauer are very tight. Mm-hmm. I just felt like it was it was an excuse to finally let that happen, and who knows what's going to happen down the road, and if they end up hiring a GM. But so we de- we have that situation: the Shane Pinto gambling suspension, all the injuries they're dealing with, 
Now they're four and four. I mean, there's a lot going on in Ottawa right now. And Mr. Boots on the ground, Michael Lepore, tell me, man, what is the feeling right now around these Ottawa Senators? Yeah, a lot. Of, I mean, a lot of people are rattled on how this season has started. But I think what they are holding on to is that there was a lot of optimism before the season started about this team. And they're four and four. And kind of like how we touched with the Leafs, a lot of people don't think they fully played to their potentials and think think they've gotten bad luck and they have with their injuries. So I just, <laughs> I, I don't often say this, or maybe I do often say this. I feel kind of bad for Sens fans with this one because when the ownership torch was passed, I'm under the assumption they kind of thought that all these off-ice stories were gone. Like the, the Sens have had so many bad stories over the years about you know, Melnick's behavior or how things are handled internally or even their medical staff. So here came, here comes this new owner, the white knight and Lauer. And they're thinking, okay, now we can just watch hockey. We can focus on hockey. And they've had a brutal start with the Pinto thing. And now this, but I, I made the comment last week. We'll see what this team's made of. Add it to the list, add it to the list and a GM firing. I don't know how much that affects the locker room. I've heard even some GM say, they talk to the players like twice a year and you know, they don't make a point to go in the locker room. So I don't know how much, how much it's going to affect the group, but I'm a firm believer in mental exhaustion. And I just hope this team with everything going on and all the negative negativity, they're not just mentally exhausted. And I've made that comment about, I think that's just a huge detriment of the Toronto Maple Leafs playing in Toronto and you can't help it or fix it. It's just, there's so much going on all the time that once in a while you're going to lay an egg because you're just gassed. Your brain is gassed. But as far as the Dorian situation goes specifically, what I really hope for is I hope Dorian in a few years comes out with a book because I would love, love to hear his stories being the general manager of an NHL franchise under Eugene Melnick and then through this transition because I think the debate was split as far as PD went and being, you know, a good or bad general manager, because you can't lie. He did some really good things, but he also did some terrible things. But then there was always people pointing to the fact, well, is he doing that deal? Is that a Melnick deal? Is that a cash deal that'll save Eugene money? So we never really knew. So if someone said to me, is Pierre Dorian a good GM? I mean, I'd have an opinion, but there'd be a part of me that would say, you know what? I don't know. I don't know, because he had this owner above him that I think was probably just bossing him around and didn't let him do what he wanted to do. And you see now there's again, like there's some optimism here in Ottawa, but I don't know what's going to happen with Pierre. Like, do you think he's going to get another job? Like, say, let's say five years. Now, I think Pierre Duran's going to be a GM in the National Hockey League. I don't know if he's going to be a GM, but I think he's going to continue to work in hockey because you can't Scouting. deny the job that he did to rebuild this team. And I know he made like some bad moves. Like he traded away Mika Zibanejad, who turned into a star player mm. and a number one centerman. That's not ideal, but he made some really quality draft picks to rebuild this team. And I know it hasn't panned out yet for Ottawa. And I've been very critical of this team. And I still think they're not as good as people think, but. He has a he built up a pretty good stable of of solid young players. Tim Stutzla, Brady Kachuk, Josh Norris. Go down the list, right? Even bringing in Chikrin. Uh, Jake Sanderson, like 
he he's done some good things. So I think I think eventually he's going to get another shot. I mean, is he going to be a GM again? You know what? We've seen it so many times. Guys getting recycled, getting second chances. So you know what? I'll say that Pierre Dorian will get another shot to be an yeah. NHL GM. Yeah. He's known to be an amazing scout. Like even his biggest critics as a GM said Pierre's a good scout. So maybe head scout somewhere in the NHL. I mean, he'll get I, I think he'll get a job. But as far as Ann Lauer goes and the press conference today, he stood up for his team and he's a new guy. So the fans are going to appreciate that. And he vented about the National Hockey League and how, you know, he was he essentially had said he was lied to throughout this process or stuff was hidden from him, yeah, which he is was not, pissed, in the which was not conference. cool. But I don't know if it was the greatest play or it was necessarily the time or place to vent about it. And when I think he kind of let his guard down is when he went into the uh, Shane Pinto situation and almost got kind of defensive about it and blamed the NHL. When he said, oh, here's this, you know, you're a kid who is a millionaire and you're injured or bored and you have all this time on your hands. And then Wayne Gretzky's in MGM commercials. I'm like, whoa, whoa, Ann Lauer. I mean, you got to be careful here. You're allowed to say what you want, but do you want to piss off the National Hockey League and probably its biggest sponsorship group right now? Not cool. And and I'm going to take it personally. You indirectly took a shot at Wayne Gretzky. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The That's what did it for Lepore. Oh, my God. Careful. You, you don't. You leave the late Wayner alone. People who know me well know my passion for the Wayner, man. You leave the Wayner alone. But I, I think he got a little emotional there and kind of frustrated with the entire situation. And again, it's okay to think that. I, I don't disagree with that thought process. I'm, I'm the first one to say, I mean, that the whole gambling thing is very questionable as far as today's NHL. But uh, I don't think you go on TV in a press conference and essentially target the league as this evil demon again. And that could be the case, but I, I just don't know if that was the greatest play. And I, I was always under the assumption that Batman and the NHL and the other owners didn't think much of Eugene Melnick and his team because simply was, he was a guy who was easy not to like. And you're the new guy now. So I'm saying, man, like there's the old, like, you know, everyone, everyone who see, who's uh, watched mafia movies, the old thing is just, you know, keep your mouth shut. Don't say too much. Don't snitch. Like you always hear those lines. I just think he got a little emotional there. And I think he said a little too much. I'm not going to sit here and say, I hated his presser. Cause I'm sure fans were happy with it. Cause he defended the team, defended himself and he was aggressive and he took blame. He said, you know, we were negligent and it is what it is. But I think at certain points throughout the press conference, he kind of like let himself show a little too much. Yeah, I think he let his emotions get the best of him. I do like the candor that he spoke with. I mean, I love that. When guys are just up front and tell it like it is, like that's great Mm -hmm. when you see that in sports, right? But he just got this job. And as you said, he's kind of like ripping into the National Hockey League. And although I do agree with some of the points that he was making, I think maybe he he kind of went a little too far, and I think Gary Bettman's probably going to send him an email or mm. or a text or give him a phone call and be like, Michael, Michael. listen, I love you. Welcome, uh, welcome to the NHL, and and I'm glad you're a part of this this ownership group. But you got to dial it back a little bit, buddy. Mm. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a little hand slap from Gary Bettman. But it's just such a shitty situation to walk into. 
And what was interesting to me is that he said that he had no knowledge whatsoever of the Shane Pinto investigation in the summer, even this whole Evgeny Dadanov situation. Like he was pissed off that he now has to deal with it. He was like, why the hell wasn't this dealt with long ago? So Mm -hmm. I do get his frustration with that. Like that, that's just incompetence from the NHL. Like to not notify him of what's going on when he's making a nearly $1 billion purchase. Yeah. Is a little crazy. Well, um, we so knew about this situation. We knew, we all knew about the dad situation and that something was going to happen. Like that's been known since last season. So I don't, I don't know that like what they would like, I mean, have your opinion on how far they'd have to go with what, what they'd have to tell him, but he did know there could be a punishment. We all did. Yeah, no, that that's fair. That's fair. I mean, the, the Pinto thing blindsided him. I'm sure of that. But yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe they're not telling us the full story, but it does it does seem like he was not. blindsided <laughs> by the whole Pinto investigation. Yeah. But yeah, the Dadanov thing, even though he knew about it, that shit should have been dealt with like a year ago. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's kind of harsh too, really. A first round pick for that. That's a, that's That's a little bit harsh. It is. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that. I don't think even the biggest sense hater in the world. Like, think of it this way. What would what could have been worse? It's essentially the max penalty you're going to receive. And people people are quick to point to, oh, look at the Blackhawks. They, they didn't lose a first-round pick for what happened with them. But if you notice with the NHL, when you do hockey things is when you get punished hockey-wise. And with what they did, a, fir- a first-round pick... I'll ask, well, what if you did something way worse than that? And I'm sure there are things way worse than that. Then what, two first round picks? Or where was the mindset there? So it it is harsh. I mean, like it or not, it's definitely harsh. I would have been fine with a big fine in this situation. I think that would have worked better. No, I see. I think I, I kind of agree with the nature of it in the way that if you do something bad hockey wise, you get a hockey penalty. And it's not like other, it's not like European soccer where they're going to take points away or something like that. So I think hockey-wise, they had to be punished. I just think like a first, man, a first. That's a lot. I was going to say, I just think the whole situation is so stupid because as I said off Definitely. the top of this conversation, like the NHL should just know, all right, this player has a 10-team no-trade list. This player has a 15-team no-trade list. This player has a no-trade clause. Like all of this shit should be very transparent across the board. And it just it just seems like why why did no one know about this? And yeah, I mean, again, the, the Ottawa Senators are were negligent and should have done their their due diligence in the situation. But it's like for the love of God, can we just have transparency across the board? Yeah, see where and where it gets off. And again, who knows what the truth is? You're hearing different stories because, am I not mistaken? The Senators did say they had contact with the agent, and the agent was aware. Yeah, I'm not I'm not exactly sure to be honest with you. Yeah, I got to so reread lying, right? like the nuts and bolts of the whole situation, but yeah. To me it's just I, I just do not understand how there's just not like a master list of all this stuff and and the NHL doesn't know what's going well, on with all these no trade clauses. Yeah, like, can't you know, someone just be like, "Hey, sorry, this trade can't go through." Like someone from NHL Central Registry just be like, "Listen, he's got a 10 team no trade." He can't go to this team. This can't happen. Like, how, how does that not happen? Yeah. And even like now we're getting deep into this. When you go on cap friendly, it says if the player has a no, a no trade list, 
Or it's like they have a no trade. So clause. we all knew. So we all knew. Vegas didn't know. Anaheim yeah, didn't and, and know. The, the NHL didn't know. What was the question? Did, like, did Ottawa lie and not put San Jose on it? And, and it was. I mean, something like that. But I doubt that happened. So it's confusing and similar to the Pinto situation we touched on last week. We don't know anything about this. There's so much more than we're we're being made aware of. Yeah, the NHL is not going to tell us the true story. That's that's yeah. very. That's very NHL. That's why Pierre Dorian needs to write a book. That would be a great book. I, it would I be a good you. book. I would read man. that. I'm book. telling you, I'd read that book for sure. I would. All right, man. Let's let's move on because there is a big game happening in the NHL Thursday night. The Leafs. Oh, the Kings and Senators. <laughs> <laughs> no, enough of the Ottawa Senators. Yeah. All right, we've given them enough airtime on this show. Yeah, it's all right. We still we still love you, Ottawa, even though I chirp your franchise all the time but mm. the Leafs are playing the Boston Bruins in Boston on Thursday night so the Leafs are coming off this terrible loss to the LA Kings the Bruins are without Charlie McAvoy who's suspended Matt Grizzlick is out of the lineup so they got some guys out on the back end it's a Bruins team that was supposed to be retooling even though we talked about this before the season like the, the sports books had this team as like a 100 point team. Like they said, hold your horses, everybody. This is still a 100 point team. I believe their, uh, their season point total was set at 99 and a half. So although they, you know, Vegas wasn't expecting this team to have a season like they did last year, which was a complete outlier. They still thought that this team was going to be good. And through nine games, they're eight Oh and one. Mm -hmm. which is a little ridiculous. I didn't think this team would go nine games without a regulation loss. Yeah. But uh, here we are. And I'm a little scared that the Leafs might lose this game. Listen, the Leafs under Sheldon Keefe, their MO has been to bounce back. Like when they play like shit, they usually tend to bounce back. And on the road, like if they go into this game and I should check the betting lines, like if the, if the Leafs are an underdog, I'm going to, I'm going to bet the Leafs. Yeah, they're a slight underdog. I think I saw the Bruins are minus 120. There you go. So I think yeah. you you almost like got to automatically bet the Leafs when they're a dog because you just don't get that spot very often throughout the season. But mm -hmm. what do we make of this, Lapore? Like, are the Bruins just going to win the division again? What the hell is going on here? It's kind of, it's a difficult one to analyze because we always say that, you know, the Bruins are the Bruins. They'll figure it out. And it seems like they always do. I have watched a few Bruins games this year. And I witnessed a couple wins that they probably didn't deserve. And I'm always quick to say that I hate when people say, oh, a team deserved to win. So I'll say, to clarify, games where they were outplayed and they were able to win. So I think their record is a little bit of an illusion. And that, that's not me saying that they're not a good team or a very good team. I just think 8-0-1 is pushing it. And everyone knows Lapore is a math guy and he looks at trends. They're goalies right now, okay? Allmark and Swayman have both played four games. Okay. Allmark has a 939. Swayman has a 957. So, real quick math, they are getting goaltending just a shade under 950. Ridiculous. So, I mean, I don't think it's a hot take when I say, okay, well, that has to adjust at some point to something more real world. And when it does, they're going to lose games. How many games they're going to lose? I don't know. Are they going to be at the top of this division at the end of the year and give everyone the middle finger and say, we told you so we're not going anywhere. Maybe, but 
they, they you are what your record is and the, the, they're eight oh and one and i'd be lying if i sat here on this podcast and said that i'm confident uh with the leafs win tomorrow i do know what you mean the bruno like you know sheldon keith teams typically bounce back i've always made the point the leafs seem to always lay eggs and lose the games are supposed to win but then when everyone thinks ah now nah, the leafs are gonna lose tonight they haven't looked good and now they're playing whatever first place they play like their game of the year and and play incredible. And who knows that'll happen tomorrow. Who knows if it's a trend or just a coincidence, but uh, I'm not feeling too good about, about tomorrow night's game. You know, what's funny when you look at the Atlantic division standings, tell me right now, the other team that sticks out to you, like a sore thumb, like, Oh my God, I can't believe this team has this record right now. Detroit. Okay. Detroit is one of them, but the other team, I'm thinking of one other team here. I need you to name this team for me. That like I'm looking at that their they're pl- and they're playing well. Their record's at- good at least. And you're shocked? Yeah. In the Atlantic division. Well, who? Oh, Montreal. Montreal. So <laughs> yeah. the reason I bring this up, Lapore, is that I'm looking right now at the goaltending numbers across the league. Five on oh, five God. save percentage. Okay. Guess who's first in the league and second in the league in five on five save percentage? I'm gonna take a stab at the Boston Bees and Les Habitants de Montreal. Montreal leading the NHL with a 965 save percentage at five on five. Come on. And the Bruins are number two at 951. Okay. So there you go. That that could explain it right there. I know that's not the whole story, but when you're getting outrageous goaltending in a very small sample size, things like this are going to happen. Yeah. Um, and where the Leafs rank in terms of five on five save percentage right now, 17th in the NHL at nine one four. So not terrible, but yeah, I mean, for the love of God, Bruins and Habs, their goaltending has been insane. So God listen, I, I, I think the Leafs are probably gonna bounce back. I am a little bit scared, but I'm looking at the odds right now. Depending on what sports book you look at, you can get the Leafs at like plus one hundred, plus one oh two. Who knows how the line's going to move closer to the game. But uh, yeah, when the Leafs are an underdog and you think, all right, this team stinks. They're coming off their worst game of the season. Now they're going into Boston. It's going to be a hornet's nest. They're probably going to win the game. And Tyler Bertuzzi is probably going to have his best game as a Leaf. Mm. facing his Oh, I forgot team. about that. I forgot about that whole thing. Yeah, yeah he wasn't in Boston long, but uh, he was good in the playoffs. He He led the Bruins in scoring in the playoffs. There I believe he had he, 10 points in seven games. Yeah, he, he did well, but like underrated stat and he had some injuries. I think he only scored like eight goals last year. He had a weird year goal wise. So it kind of scared me when I saw it. I'm like, oh, we just gave this guy $5 million, but he had a good playoff. And again, he faced injuries. So yeah, he, he had a 30 goal season with Detroit. I want to say two ago. seasons ago. Then last yeah. year was kind of just a crappy season. Then he got rejuvenated when he got traded to the Bruins, had a good playoff run. Got his $5 million contract with the Leafs. He's playing with Matthews and Marner. It's all sunshine and rainbows. And now half of the Leafs fan base is going after this guy and saying, you know, it's better. I I was telling my buddy, actually, earlier today, driving in the car on the phone, talking about, you know, player salaries. And we see numbers. And I think sometimes we, we like our old brains work with certain numbers. So we see a $5 million player. And we're like, wow, they gave him $5 million, and $5 million is not insignificant money. But you do the quick math, and you're like, okay, 
13 forwards, 72 goalies. The average player under today's cap is about 4 million. So 4 million bucks is, is your middle player. So if a guy makes 5 million, it's like, well, he's a little, he's 25% above average. You know what I mean? So it's, it's not as significant. I think sometimes for the players making like in those amounts, they don't deserve the criticism that they get. Yeah. And listen, it, it's only been nine games. He leads the team in expected goals for percentage at five on five. I, I don't want to sound like a total nerd and be like, Oh, according to the numbers, Tyler Bertuzzi has been amazing. Like he <laughs> clearly hasn't been amazing, but I think he's going to be fine, and I'm not outraged by his one-year, $5 million contract. It's not like this guy's been locked up long-term at an outrageous number. Like, this is not the end of the world here. Let's just hope that he figures it out and starts putting the puck in the net and starts putting up points. So I think everything's going to be okay with Tyler Bertuzzi. But Lepore, before we wrap this up, is there anything else you want to get off your chest? I'm just hoping it gets warmer, Bruno, here here in Ottawa. I did, th- in a couple of days, I think we're getting a day of like 10 degrees. How's it been in Toronto? Has it been cold, cold? It's gotten cold over the last couple of days. Today, uh... when I woke up and went to work, it was around like one degrees, two degrees. Yeah. And then it got to around like four or five degrees in the middle of the day. So yeah. not terrible, but enough where I was like, all right, here we go. Yeah, and your boy Lapore is a very early riser. I've never been able to sleep well. I am looking, and maybe this is a sign of my age. I am looking forward to that time change because I just getting up and just, number one, it's cold. Number two, it's just dark and depressing. It's the worst way to wake up, right? So, getting that extra hour will uh, hopefully put a smile on your boy Lapore's face. Yeah, Lapore, we both hate the cold. We, we move cannot stand it. And, and like I said, off the top of the show, don't be the person who's going out in like minus five degree weather with a t-shirt and trying to show everyone how tough you are. You're mm. not tough. You're just an idiot. All right. You're <laughs> here first. So what are we doing, Bruno? We're moving to uh, Fort Lauderdale and starting a Florida Panthers podcast. Yeah, we're going to start. Yeah. If the Leafs uh, disappoint us again, we're going to probably just jump to a new team and start a new podcast, but uh, that would be totally yeah. off brand because we'd we probably be for punishment. We'd probably be the only one uh, I'm just, <laughs> to anyone out there. Who's got a Florida Panthers podcast. Very we'd be the, the, the only two Florida Panthers fans in the world. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, hey, we might have to. But knowing us, we're just going to continue doing this for the next 50 years, and the Leafs aren't going to win a cup Why in not? our lifetime. So Why not? So, uh, yeah, what a, what a time to be alive. All right, that is going to do it for episode 122 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. If you're a new listener or a longtime listener and you really enjoyed the show, we would appreciate it so, so much. If you give us a five-star rating and review on either Apple or Spotify, and if you're watching us on YouTube and you really enjoyed the content, you have no idea how much this will help us. If you just smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, leave a comment down below, and while you're at it, ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. So for Michael Lepore, I'm Anthony Bruno. Go Leafs, go. Figure it out, Leafs. And we'll see you in the next one. Thanks, everyone.